Let's turn our Bibles today to the book of Mark, chapter number one. We continue our, our emphasis and our theme on to be like Jesus. And I think that ought to be all of our goal is to be conformed to the image of our Lord. And uh, in fact, that's God's will for, for our lives. And I think that would be good. I started this same sermon last week and I didn't hardly get to where we were going. And uh, so uh, we're just going to let the Lord take over today. And let me, let me say something at, at the outset. Um, I, w- I want to discuss just a little, little today about casual discipleship. Casual discipleship. Being a disciple of Christ on your terms. The Bible has no reference at all to casual discipleship. Jesus makes it very plain. You are either a disciple or you're not a disciple. Now you can be a Christian and you can go to heaven. But you'd be going on crutches. (laughs) Barely slipping through. And if we're not careful in the day in which we live and with all the impact of uh, all the different religions, uh, we will adapt a kind of Christianity that suits us. It's kind of like serving a God we want instead of the God that is. do you, you understand what I'm saying? It's contemporary Christianity dressed in the clothes of fundamentalism. It's looking like we got it. But our life does not show it. And no place in the Bible, no place in the Bible, Do we find that we are to serve God on our basis? See, we're already having a good time. We haven't even got started yet. But because of everybody around us and the influence of society, I'm afraid if we're not careful we will become casual disciples. Serving God on our terms. I like to say, and I hate to say, but we are writing the epithet on the tombstone of biblical Christianity. If we're not careful, we're going to be just like everybody else. And I think maybe we might have slipped a little bit in that direction. So I read for you out of the book of Mark. I read for you verse 14, please. And the Bible says... Now, after that John was put in prison, 
Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Please let me ask you, and I want you to think about this for just a minute. How long has it been since you heard an old-fashioned Bible sermon on repentance? You who are watching Christian television and listening to Christian radio, how long has it been since you have heard repent? And believe the gospel. You hear believe the gospel. Uh, You hear. You're doing all right. You just need to believe the gospel. How long has it been since you heard somebody say. You're not doing all right. And you need to repent and change it. Or you're going to die and go to hell. Somebody said. Well that's old fashioned preaching. Yeah. This old. This old, this old. And the Bible says, now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net. I said something about nets last week. Into the sea, and they, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you. You want to stop for a minute? I will make you. Come after me and I will make you. Boy, isn't that that strong? You know, that's what the devil says too. Follow me and I will. You know what the educational institutions of America is doing? Follow me and I will. You know what our president is? He is a direct result of somebody following the educational institution in America. Don't blame uh, Obama. He is a result of what our public educational institutions has produced. Now some of you folk get mad at me, but you can just get glad in the same britches. That's what everybody's saying. Follow me, I will make you. The world is saying, follow me, I will make you. Kids, listen to me. You will be like who you follow. And Jesus said, come after me and I will make you. Preacher, you didn't finish yet. It said, fishers of men. Well, what if those guys that have been teachers? He would have said, follow me and I'll make you teachers of men. What if they've been construction workers? Follow me, I'll make you builders of men. What if they had been Baptist? Follow me and I'll try to change you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Now listen, this is the book. This is God's word, right? Yes, sir. Now listen, I just enjoy reading it. Sometimes I enjoy reading it in front of you. 
And the Bible, and straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James and John, uh, James, the sons of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the ship mending their nets. Straightway he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Last week I spent a little bit of time telling you about uh, my insecurities and how that uh, every once in a while I, I just I just wonder if God could ever use me to do anything significant, anything to make an impression on somebody's life, anything that would leave a legacy that I've been here. After you're dead, 15 days, Will anybody say they impacted my life? After you've been dead for a year, will anybody say, I'm glad that person was on the earth because he helped me get in the right direction? Every once in a while I wonder, how can a thumb-sucking introvert How can an inferior individual like myself, someone who has never accomplished anything above average, who could not spell valedictorian in school, so I graduated and hired the valedictorian in my class, then later fired him because he is a deadbeat. (laughs) Can God use me? I want to talk to you today about the kind of people God can use. Can I read for you again? The kind of people God can use. I want to talk to you first of all about the people God uses. He sure uses some weird folk. (laughs) Did you ever look in a mirror and say, dear Lord, you must have a sense of humor. Uh, come on now, you know what I'm talking about. You, you look in a mirror, you don't like what you see, so you go to the beauty shore, store and buy everything in the world, just change it. God has a sense of humor. When I'm preaching and I look at uh, everybody here, uh, I, you know, I'm sure glad God didn't make all of you look alike. And I'll talk just a minute about the people. Secondly, I'll talk about their pedigree. I teach my boys... No, I've taught my boys. I ain't having no more boys. I've got enough boys. I've got enough problems. I've taught my boys. If you're going to marry somebody, look at her pedigree. Now, now that's smart. You're going to marry a woman, look at her mother. Somehow find out who runs the show. Pedigree. Now don't look so much at the looks. You need to look at the pedigree. And I'll, I'll talk to you this morning about the pedigree of people God uses. And then if I, you'll let me to, I'll talk about the price. First of all, let's look at the people, would you please? In verse number 16 and verse number 19, the Bible said in verse number 16, the, uh, look at this. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, cast a net into the sea. 
for they were fishers. Verse 20, straightway he called them and they left their nets. Look across the page at chapter number 2 and let me read for you just a little bit of verse number 13. And he went forth again by the seaside and all the multitude resorted unto him and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom and said unto them, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Notice, if you would please, in, in verse number 19 again, the Bible said, and straightway, when he'd gone a little farther, thence he saw James, son of Zebedee, John, his brother, who also were in the ship. So we got James and John, brothers, and we have Simon Peter and Andrew, brothers. And then we got a tax collector, a guy that works for the IRS, Matthew. People God uses. First of all, if you notice the position of the people that God uses. Notice what the Bible said, they were fishers. Now, let me ask you something. Do you have to have a doctor's degree to be professional in something? I have seen pool sharks that had no degrees, but they were professional. These are not casual fishers. These were not pleasure fishers. These were not Weekend fishermen, these were professional fishermen. They did it for a living. They knew how to do it. They were accomplished in what they were doing. Do you know that God sometimes calls professionals to serve him? Professionals, if you please. These guys were good at what they did. They were professional fishermen. Notice, it was a profitable position. These folk made money fishing. Do you know that God calls people that know how to make money? Professional people. Why should the devil get all the pros? Why should the world keep all the pros? Why don't God just every once in a while reach down and grab a professional? Somebody that is accomplished. Maybe an attorney who is accomplished, Adam. Maybe uh, uh, somebody who's accomplished. What's wrong with God calling somebody like that? What's wrong with God using somebody like, not only was it profitable and not only was it professional, notice it was a passed down profession. In these days, a lot of times the kids wanted to follow in the pursuit of the father. And I'm, I think that's honorable to the father. When the kids look at the dad and says, this guy is my hero. I want to be like dad. 
I don't care if it is a blacksmith. I don't care if it's a service station owner. I don't care if it's a doctor. It is honorable for a kid to love his father and to respect his father to the extent I want to be like dad. Zebedee was a fisherman. John, the father of Andrew and Peter was a fisherman. Guess what the kids did? They fished. I wonder maybe if that'll work serving God, Daddy. I wonder if we acted like God was great and God would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. I wonder if we walked around with a smile on our face, with uh, all the confidence in the world that God is God and that he is a big God and you'd but honor you to serve that big God if maybe some of our kids didn't get mad at Christianity and choose another route to go. Can anybody say amen? I want my kids to think that God is great. I want my kids to think that God knows what he's doing. I want my kids to see somebody who's walking in the steps of God and sees God blessing and see God providing and see God doing. They might want to follow that kind of God. The people God uses notice their position. I'll bet you some folks here today If they just realize that God is bigger than their profession, they might surrender to preach. They might even answer God's call if they realize that their family wants a godly man instead of a bunch of junk. I bet you if our kids could see a dad that had confidence in God. I bet some of the kids might have confidence in God too. Their position. Could I please talk to you for just a minute about their pedigrees? You know what a pedigree is, don't you? It's a registration. It's what is behind them. It's what they are. Could we take Peter, James, John, Andrew, and Matthew for just a minute and look at the ridiculous kind of people God uses? Well, God could never use me. God used a jackass to stop Balaam. He used a rooster to talk to Peter. He used a fish to get Jonah's attention. And he can't use you. I'm sure glad that God uses all different kind of people. You know, I was looking this morning, this boy in the choir. Stand up, son, look at him. This one of our choir members. You say, well, that boy don't know anything. He knows how to sing. You say, that boy shouldn't be in the choir. Won't you take your seat next week? 
I would, but I got to wear a suit. You know, I've never heard anybody die from choking with a necktie. <laughs> Sit down, you get all the glory. God, this morning, used a teenage boy in the choir. I wish you'd come tonight. Jim's got a blessing for you. Start a new bus route today in Crowley. Brother Miss Tony is riding the bus, but their 10 year old grandson is the captain. When they got on the bus this morning, Jim was the driver. Ten-year-old Cody had all the stops in line. Going down the road and they stopped and the little kid was playing out in the street. Cody went to the kid and said, hey, we're going to church. You want to go with us? He said, I ain't got no shoes. Cody said to granddaddy, granddaddy, you go over there and tell the mama we're going to take the kid to church. Little boy got on the bus. Amen. On the way back, Cody, 10 years old, said, Hey, uh, Brother Jim, do you have a CDL license? <laughs> he said, We got enough gas to get back to church. I got 10 kids on here. I don't want them to be lost out here in the woods. 10 year old. 10 years old. 10 years old. He told Brother Jim, this van ain't big enough. I need a bus next week. Second week. Ten years old. And God can't use you. Notice if you would the first one's pedigree. Peter. Let's you and I call him the fallen one. Peter's always developing hoof and mouth disease. Open mouth, insert foot. Anybody like that here? Well, God can't use me. I can't even control my mouth. That's about 98% of us. So God would really be out of business, right? But old Peter, the fallen one. You know what they said about Peter? When they saw Peter, they took, and they saw his boldness, they took knowledge that he was ignorant and unlearned but that he had been with Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Anybody here fall into that ignorant and unlearned department? Yes, sir. And, but the difference was he had been with Jesus. Amen. Oh, Peter, bless his heart. He's the one that denied the Lord. Do you remember that? Yes, sir. Uh, he, he, he's the fallen one. He, he's, the, he's the one that God cannot use. He's the foul-mouthed one. He, he's the fisherman. Uh, he, he had no training. He had a terrible temper. But there was a tenderness about him. There was a tenderness about him. Because when he denied the Lord, you see him yonder on his knees weeping and begging God to forgive him. God can use that kind of folk. God can use you with a temper. God can use you with no training. But God cannot use you if there's not a tenderness that that heart can be yielded to God. Can anybody say amen? You say, preacher, you just just don't know my situation. No, but I know somebody does. And God uses people like Peter. Boy, I'll not go too far in it. But if, if ever there was a Peter... In our presence, 
His name was Bob Isbell. Rough. Rough as a cob. He came to me one time. We're just home folk, right? And I'm going to close at 12 regardless where I am in the sermon. He'd been on the staff for several weeks, months or so. And he came to me one day and he said, Preacher, I, I guess I'm going to have to resign. I said, what's wrong? He said, well, I whooped the guy last night. I said, did you do a good job? He said, yes, sir. I said, that's fine. Let's just go on serving God. Now, if you hadn't whooped him good, I wouldn't. I'd have fired him right then. But the guy deserved the whooping. He needed a whooping. And Bob needed a lesson. You say, you whooped anybody since you've been on staff? As kind as I am. <laughs> as easy going as I am. Then listen to me. God uses our kind of folk. God uses folks who are not trained. God uses folks sometimes with a temper. And God uses folks that has a tenderness about them. Oh, Bob has got a big heart. If you notice, one eye is different. He was working in your church. Serving your God. When that fungus eat his eye out. Never a negative word. Never a blame. A tenderness. But yet a temper. A tenderness. And no training. But how God used him. That's a Peter. Look at Andrew. You say, who's Andrew? Well, he just, he just another one of them guys God uses. Andrew, to be all right, we'll just call old Andrew, if you would please, just uh, the forgotten one. Uh, Andrew didn't get much limelight. It's, I got four minutes and I'll be done. Notice Andrew. Simon's brother. Could I help you a little bit and give you a little bit about your Bible? Between verse 14 of Mark and 13 of Mark, one year transpires. Now you probably knew that. But between verse 13 and verse 14, one year transpires. John and Luke covers that year. It was during that year in John 1 and 41 where that the Bible says, Andrew findeth his brother Simon first and he brought him to Jesus. You see, Mark chapter 1 is not the first time that these men were introduced to Jesus. Luke 5 talks about a draw to fishes. Any of you remember the draw to fishes? 
Or that Peter had fished all night and had taken nothing and he was cleaning his nets. And Jesus said, Peter, I want to borrow your boat. And he bars his boat. He moves the boat out from land. He preaches and teaches from the boat. And then he tells Peter, cast your nets on the other side. And he did and he caught a draught of fishes. I believe if I'd been Peter on my boat and seen Jesus do that, the next time I saw Jesus and he said, follow me, I believe I would have. Andrew is the forgotten one. Andrew is the guy in the Bible who every time he is mentioned, he's bringing someone to Jesus. In John 1, he's bringing his brother. In John 6, he's bringing a little lad with a lunch with a few loaves and a few fishes and he's bringing him to Jesus. And in John 12, some Greeks came and said, we want to see this man that everybody's talking about, this man whose fame has reached across the world. We want, sirs, we want to see Jesus. Guess who introduced those Greeks to Jesus? Brother Andrew. The forgotten one. The one that don't get the limelight. His soul winning. He was a soul winner. His sincerity. You know who was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem? Andrew. You know who the first martyr was? Andrew. How would you like the men competing for the pastorate of the First Baptist Church with the 12 disciples? But it was Andrew who floated to the top and became the pastor of that church. But in Achaia, they killed him and he took a stand for Jesus. A fallen one, a forgotten one. Sometime at church, do you feel like you just kind of got lost in the crowd and you're not important anymore? Everybody likes to be a big duck on a little pond. Because if you're a big duck on a little pond, everybody hears you quacker. You know, quack one time and everybody sees that big duck on a little pond. But when the pond starts getting bigger and more Baptist duck fly in, Every once in a while, some folk feel like they're just not needed anymore and they're just not important and the preacher don't come by like he used to and he, he don't have time to shake their hands. And hey, that was Andrew. But that didn't bother him. He just kept serving God. Became the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem. Do you know... To God, you're really important around here. Now this lady right here, I bet she didn't give. Usually she gives about 10000 a week. Give or take a few dollars. But she is important. We sent her husband to heaven, Charlie Jennings. We loved him dearly. And we love her dearly. I bet sometimes 
sitting in the house over there by herself. Husband's gone to heaven. Kids are all busy. I bet sometimes it feels like maybe she's forgotten. But she isn't. Not to God, she's not. She's important to the Lord. So are you. Boy, I need to close. You said you're right. Everybody scared to death. You know the only reason some folk come to church? Just waiting for me to fall flat on my face. <laughs> they see me staggering around here. And they say one of these days. When was it? Last week I almost fell. Yeah, Billy said he started to jump up and catch me. Old Swifty here. <laughs> Who can't even get up. <laughs> was going to catch me. He said, preacher, I thought sure you was gone last week. The kind of people God uses. Fallen folk. Just flat out mean folks. Just flat out uncontrolled folks. Just untrained folks. Just folks like us. And then Andrew, the forgotten one. I I don't don't have time. But you, you notice also something. Look at James. Could I please call him the fiery one? You know what they nicknamed him? The son of thunder. One time, Jesus told his disciples that I'm going through Samaria and I want you to send an ambassador ahead and get things ready. Well, when they found out Jesus was a Jew and he was coming in the book of Luke chapter 9, the Samaritans would not let him come through. You know what James said? Lord, you want me to call down thunder from heaven like Elijah and just blow that whole place up? (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice if everybody was like James and nothing was said? Or maybe if somebody needed a good cussing, you had a Peter around to take care of that for you. (laughs) You say, preacher, do you know anybody that cusses around here? No, sir, not in this church. (laughs) Years ago, we built a church down yonder. A friend of mine, Brother Jesse Burney. Jesse wasn't in church. And Jesse fell in love with this church, fell in love with this preacher, fell in love with the Lord. He's He's digging a ditch for water. Never forget it. I stand there right by the deal. And old Jesse had that backhoe. And I said, Jesse, what are you doing? He said, I'm feeling for that, that, that water line. I said, okay, Jess. After a while, he did more than felt it. <laughs> it was a six-inch water line. He had a ditch all the way to the other church. It took moments for that ditch to fill up with water. Old Jesse reached out there and he grabbed that thing and water flew everywhere. Jesse called that backhoe or that pipe or that water everything that any sailor has ever wanted to call anybody and I just stood there I'd heard them before in fact I think I invented some of those and son old Jesse did a cussing and he looked at me and he says preacher did I say anything wrong I said, not a thing, just not a thing. (laughs) 
God can use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use you where you are. If you're a professional where you are, be a professional for Jesus. Talk like Jesus would want you to talk. Walk like Jesus would want you to walk. Have the attitude like Jesus have you. If you're a professional, if you're a ditch digger and like to cuss, do it in Jesus' name. But let God use you for his glory. A preacher, I'm, I'm, I'm tough. Hey, God used tough folk like Andrew. God uses fallen folk like Peter. God uses forgotten folks sometimes like us. You know, God even used the fearful like Matthew. Nothing scares me more than getting a letter from the IRS. I can tell you, if they're sending me a letter, it's not a return. It should be a sympathy card. After I've sent in what I've made and what I've paid, they should write me a sympathy card and say, we know how you feel. But there's one thing I do know. Everybody fears the IRS. Nobody liked a tax collector. Nobody liked a Matthew. Nobody liked paying the Roman government a tax and then letting Matthew add on to top of that tax what he wanted to take home for himself. Nobody liked a Jew who had lined up with the Romans and had become a turncoat. But Matthew was a Jew working for the Roman government, collecting taxes for the Roman government and adding a percentage on for himself. He was a feared fella, but God used him. He was a fallen fella, but God used him. He was a forgotten fella, but God used him. Let's close. And then there was a faithful fella whose name was John. A faithful fella. Read the book of Acts. You seldom see John mentioned. His obscurity. John was one that didn't mind playing second fiddle. John was one who allowed Paul, Barnabas, and Silas to get the preeminence in the book of Acts. Obscurity. Notice, if you would please, not only John's obscurity, but notice his obligation. The picture's the cross. The picture's three men hanging on a cross. The picture's Mary, Jesus' mother, and John standing beside. And as Jesus died, his last words were, Son, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. John, the faithful one, was the one who was given the obligation for our Lord. John, you take care of my mother. 
I know it'll be expensive. And I know it'll put you out. You take care of my mother. The faithful one. The fallen one. The forgotten one. The fiery one. The faithful one. Not only obscurity, his obligation, but notice his opportunity. He wrote five books in your New Testament. And had the privilege of sitting on a rock writing the book of Revelation, unfolding and revealing what Jesus is going to do in these last days. That's the kind of folk God uses. You know the kind of folk God uses? Folk just like you. Folk just like me. Ain't that something? Now that's the people. But notice what he said. This is so good. He said, now let me give you a proposition. Come after me and I will make you. And that's some of Look at Pentecost and Peter's not cussing at Pentecost. Uh, Look at the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and preached the word of God. He's not hiding for fear behind the door. Look at Pentecost, Acts chapter 3, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Came a sound from heaven like a sound of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the place where they were seated. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said that Peter stood in that massive crowd. Peter, the fallen one, the quick-tempered one, the cussing one, the one that'll never make it. He stood and preached. 3,000 folk walked down the aisle that day and got saved. Amen. God can use Peter, he can use you. Amen. That's right. And it's not up to you. Amen. He said, if you'll follow me, John, if, I, if you'll follow me, he said, if you'll come after me, you won't have to worry about going to A&M. We'll get you over that. Jay, he said, follow me. Just bring your hammer and your nails. Bring what you got. You follow me. Jay said, well, I'll do my best. Jesus said, that ain't good enough. I didn't ask you to do your best. I asked you to follow me. That's right. Amen. It's just up to you to follow. It's up to me to make you. That's right. You glad of that? Yes, sir. Wow. Well, I ain't done, but I am. Amen. 